Thank you for taking time out of your week to join us for Coastal's online experience. We pray that this message will bring you hope and joy in your life. If you'd like to get to know more about us, please check out our Facebook and Instagram. We'd love to stay connected with you. If this ministry has impacted you in any way, please share your story at mystory@coastalcommunity.tv. Thanks again for spending time with us. Enjoy this week's message. How are you guys today? Come on. Hey, do this for me. Turn to the person next to you. Just shake them for a second and tell them, Jesus is here. Come on, some of you. Jesus is here. Now I want you to turn to the next person and say, anything could happen. Now, see, when you say that, when you have a missionary in the, in the house, crazy stuff could happen because I've seen a lot of crazy stuff in, in my 17 years of, of living kind of around the world. My, my wife and I, we, we tell people all the time, we feel like we have one of the greatest jobs in the world. We get to lead an organization full of people that are passionate about helping people that are, are hurting really around the world. And I, I just want to do this kind of before I get started today, because as Coastal Community Church, maybe you're new here and you don't understand already the impact that this church is having kind of around the world. So I want to bring you kind of a firsthand report of what you're doing. So many of you might not know that as a church, you guys have adopted a community. It's called Tubalisha. Maybe some of you have heard this, this, this phrase before, this community's name. It's in Southern Africa, in the country of South Africa. So this community is one of those communities that it's kind of off the grid a little bit. It's kind of, no, you know, people aren't beating, uh, beating the bus to try to get to Tubalisha. It's kind of a lost and forgotten about place full of people that really feel like they've been kind of lost and forgotten. But as a church, you are, you've gone right up and smack dab into the middle of that and helped invest resources into this church so what I wanted to do is, and, and the beauty of this is you're investing in the lives of the pastor and his wife in the little church that's in this community. And so I wanted to let them give you kind of a greetings all the way from South Africa. Check this video out. Coastal Community Church. Uh, we are the jealous, as you can see here in South Africa. We'd like to say thank you so, so much for investing here in South Africa, here in Tubelisha, in this church. Thank you very much. Thank you for investing in the, this, in the lives of these young ones. We really appreciate it. We thank God and we love you. doesn't brighten your day a little bit, something maybe is wrong there. So it's awesome to see Pastor Jelly. Now, not to be confused with peanut butter and jelly. No, it's just Pastor Jelly. Okay, that's my sad attempt at humor. But anyway, I just want to give you a couple other stats because not many, some of you might be sponsoring children in, in this community of Tubalisha, but also Pastor TJ and Shayla take a portion of the resources that are invested in the tithes and offering here, and they take that and they invest in projects around the world. And one of those projects is Tubalisha. So last year, they took some resources and invested in building a church building in this community. And I think we have some pictures here in just a second that they're going to pop up. Look at that. Just a kind of a, a simple structure, but it means the world to this community. It really is a structure among not many other structures in this area. And because of that structure, the church has doubled in size in the last year because of your investment. So come on. Yes. Now, church buildings are great. But the most important part is 18 people this year alone have made a commitment to, to, to give their lives to Christ in this little bitty community of just a couple thousand people. Because of your investment, they will spend eternity with Jesus because of 
because of your faithfulness and your generosity. So I want to say thank you for that. Because that structure is there now also, in, in Southern Africa, there's a, a huge issue with unemployment. And because there's a lot of unemployment, a lot of young people have nothing to do. And how many of you know young people with nothing to do is a bit of a problem? Can you say, oh, yeah. Well, the same thing is true in Southern Africa. But we have a whole group of students now that are involved in our church-based leadership program, again, because of your generosity. So they're going throughout the week, and they're, they're learning about the, the Word of God. They're learning about their gifts and abilities. They're learning job skills. And they're learning to be leaders and to be servants in their community and to give back. And that's the thing that I love about this is it's not just about helping meet kids' needs, but it's about empowering kids to be world changers. And so literally this group of kids will be graduating in December and will be going out and, and connecting in, in different aspects of ministry in their community, again, because of your generosity. One of the things I love is how the child sponsorship that, that some of you are doing in sponsoring one child is having impact together with this church. And this is kind of how this works. So you'd say, hey, I have a child that I'm sponsoring. And what's happening is literally not only that child is being sponsored, but they're going back home and the parents are, and the caregivers are seeing the difference that's being made in that child's life. And they're saying, wait a second, what's going on there? And see, when you go to Tubalisha, you don't see children's cup written on the, on the side of the, the building there. You see the name of the local church. And so people are coming to the local church and people are giving their lives to Christ because of the fact that you decided to sponsor a child. So not only that, but the community around them is starting to ask questions. Wait a second. We're starting to see difference in that family. What's going on here? Let's go check that out. And they fall in love with Jesus. It has this huge building effect that is literally changing this community because of your investment. And I just wanted to say a huge shout out and say thank you. And we're seeing a lot of men come to Christ which in Southern Africa is a big deal because so many times churches are full of women and children. And so when a man comes to, to Christ in, in a community like that, many times their entire family comes to Christ. So thankful Easter, they had a lot of men give their life to Christ. We've had a, a pastor recently that, that decided to turn their back on God and just lost, lost hope in his faith, has, has gotten connected back into the local church and is, is connecting back to their faith. And here's, here's a really cool one. Not only are the kids being sponsored, but we're helping more kids because 273, say that with me, 273. That's how many kids get fed every day because of Coastal Community Church. Come on, yes. But you know what? It's not just a meal for many of these kids. For a lot of these kids, it's the only meal they get. So it literally means they don't have to go sell their bodies for sex so that they can have something in their belly. That's the impact of what you're doing. So I just wanted to say thank you for some of you investing that $39 a month in writing letters to encourage those kids. And so I want to share a quick story of one of those kids that's, that's been sponsored by someone like you that has literally had their life totally changed. His name is Mintley. You got to practice that with me, Mintley. You can't do that without spitting all over the place. But anyway, Mintley. So Mintley is now 13 years old. I think we have a picture there. He is a handsome little guy. 13 years old. He's been in the care point for four years, all the time that Coastal has been connected there. But Mintley's story is like so many others in Southern Africa. As a, as a small boy, he watched his father walk out on his family. And in Southern Africa, a lot of times the, the, the mother doesn't have any skills or job training, so she's left in an utterly destitute situation. And she's tried her best to find little odd jobs to make some money just for the family to survive with. And so in doing that, mentally, he's always had to kind of deal with having the leftovers and having the clothes with all the holes in it and, and all of that together with the, the kind of the issues of abandonment. And it's just 
made him kind of angry. And so that anger has worked its way out as he's been involved in school and, and starting fights with kids and really just has become a menace in the school. And before, before someone made the decision to sponsor him, he was kind of on the, on, set on the path to quitting school and, and probably having some terrible things happen to him. But because someone like you said, you know what, I want to invest in this child's life and, and write letters to them and encourage them, this is what's happened. So there's a facilitator, we call him a facilitator, a person that, that out of the sponsorship funds is hired to be at that church every day that the kids come to. And, and this facilitator goes and in, in, in finds Mintley when he's homesick and, and ministers to him and help him, helps him get the medicine he needs. She teaches him uh, after school training and classes and stuff to help him with his homework. She's the one that teaches him the, Bibles, the Bible programs and things like that we have with our kids' clubs. She's constantly loving this little kid together with the other ones that are there. And together with the letters that are coming from you and encouraging him and speaking life over him, we, we uh, sat down with him a couple weeks ago and we're asking him mentally, what, what is the thing that you like most about the care point? And he said something that kind of hit us funny because most of the time the kids say, well, I appreciate the food or I like being together with the kids there. They become my friends or or different answers like that. He, he said something that really just kind of smacked me upside the head. It wasn't something I've ever heard before. He said, you know, my favorite thing about this care point, it's a place where I can be loved. I just want that to sink in for a second. Man, Coastal, you have some great things going on at your church. But man, if you help a little kid in the middle of nowhere that feels like he's literally been kind of thrown away in the trash, Understand how valuable he is. What an incredible church you are. What an incredible place this is to be part of. And I, I just want to say thank you for not only changing Mintley's life, but so many like him through the sponsorship and your giving here at Coastal. But I, I came today to, to do this because I, I've spent the last 17 years of my life, I've lived overseas for 10 years, raised my kids in Africa. Uh, their friends call them American Africans instead of African Americans. They, they're... Uh, they, they hate wearing shoes, and they're kind of, kind of funny in that regard. But I, I've worked most of my life with people that are hurting. And, you know, I've, I've learned something about people that are hurting. People that are hurting grow up, and there becomes this cycle of hurting people, have babies, and they hurt kids, and those kids grow up, and they hurt people and hurt people and hurt people and hurt people. And it becomes this continual cycle of hurt. Unless someone like you, like me, is willing to step in and love someone unconditionally. And many times when you love someone who's hurting, sometimes they can hurt you back, but if you keep loving them, love is a really powerful force on this earth. It changes them, and it starts a whole new cycle, and that's what we're seeing happen in Southern Africa, is we're seeing great marriages come together where their, their children will never, ever know the horrible things that these kids knew when they were growing up, because they're going to be raised in a family where they're loved and cherished and taught the Word of God and and have the things that they need. And incredible cycles are, are being started there. But I, I want to challenge you with this, and I believe this is my purpose in being here today, is to encourage you, inspire you, kick you in the backside if I have to, but to encourage you as, as a believer, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, and I realize some of you might be in this place and you say, hey, that's not me. Well, I want to tell you what a follower of Christ is supposed to be. And maybe you can make a decision today whether you want to be part of that or not. But as a follower of Christ, see, I, we, we sometimes kind of get, get a little mixed up in regards to what that means. And see, so many times the, the Word of God has so much to say about 
How, should you, how can you tell someone is a believer? How can you tell that they're a follower of Christ? You know what, in, in the scripture I want to kind of unpack today, it talks a little bit about, hey, if, if you're not involved in the lives of people that are hurting, then wait a second, what good is your faith? But before I unpack this, I just want to share just a quick little timeout for a second, okay? I want to make sure to get something straight from the get-go because I heard messages like this growing up and it kind of messed me up a little bit because there's something I didn't understand. So I want to unpack this quickly and I'm going to share the scripture. And that is simply this. Going to church, helping kids that are in need in Africa or here locally, doing good things, you cannot earn your way to heaven by doing good things. And I meet so many people that I talk to on airplanes and things that, man, well, I, I hope I did enough good to offset the bad that I've done. That's not how it works. The Bible is pretty, pretty explicit about this. What saves us, the, the thing that allows us to, to not have the penalty of our sin and mistakes, but to experience heaven someday when we close our eyes here and open them on the other side of eternity is one simple thing, and that is our faith and trust in what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. He died, he paid a penalty that we couldn't pay. And it's a gift that he gives us. And But here's the struggle that we have sometimes in, a, in our Christian world. And we say, well, if you'll just believe in that, then, then you'll be saved. And it, it's awesome. You'll get to spend eternity with God in heaven. Well, the truth is this. The word believe there means more than a mental acknowledgement. Are you with me? It means, it doesn't just mean, well, okay, I accept that mentally. No, it, it is this. It's literally myself putting all of who I am on Jesus and saying, hey, whatever is important to Jesus, that's what's important to me. What, what I want, my dreams and my hopes and my ambitions, I'm going to put those to the side. I want to know what God's plan is for my life. What, whatever he, wherever he is, whatever he's doing, that's where I'm going to be. That's what I'm going to be doing. That's literally what it means when you say, I'm, I believe in Jesus Christ. And so, Sometimes we can get kind of mixed up, though. We can try to do good things first before we understand that, that whole belief thing. And this is what happens. I try to think of an illustration that could kind of point this out to you so that you can understand this. And I was thinking about my wife. Man, I'm so thankful for my wife. We've been married for 23 years next month, so I'm thankful for that. She, she still puts up with me. Woo, yes, she deserves a, hand, a standing ovation, actually. But since she's not here, that's good enough. But <clears throat> so... I was thinking about my wife. What if she was sick and she was just really stomach sickness and, and being sick? It'd almost be like trying to earn our way to heaven and try to do this from the outside in would be like putting on, putting on her makeup, trying to do her hair, putting on earrings and a necklace and putting her in a nice dress and nice shoes and expecting good things to come out when all she does is go, Bleh! because I tried to dress up on the outside what was wrong on the inside. It doesn't work that way. All you get is a bunch of vomit. And that's about like someone's life that is a believer that is trying to do the good things on the outside but hasn't let Jesus on the inside yet to help them to forgive the things that have happened to them and, and heal their past and understand their future. But if I instead, I spent some time with my wife and I nurtured her and I made some chicken noodle soup for her and made sure she rested and got the medicine that she needed, then what happens is on the inside where I can't see, something starts to change. And then before you know it, good things are coming out. She's singing. I love her voice. She's encouraging people, which she loves to do. She's incredible, and she becomes a blessing to everybody around her that, it, that what starts on the inside comes out. You can't go from the outside in. And the same thing is true with works. You can't get the, this mixed up. You have to have that change in your life by accepting Jesus Christ 
And then what should happen is we should be compelled to do good things around us. We should be willing to go out and help the hurting. We should do those things because the Bible says faith without works is dead. It's worthless. It means nothing. It means you don't really have faith. And so I'm here today to challenge your faith a little bit and say, hey, friends, is your faith really worth anything today? If, if we're in a court of law, could you be prosecuted to actually be a Christian based on what people saw around you? And so there's a scripture I want to kind of unpack with you for just a few minutes that where Jesus talks about how important it is to reach out to people that are hurting in and around our lives. And so this scripture is, is found in Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. And the disciples are kind of hanging out with Jesus and they're asking him some questions about what happens when, when kind of the end is here, when, you know, when we close our eyes on this side of eternity and we wake up on the other side of eternity, you know, when, when things end up, what is that like? And he, he shares this story with, with his disciples to help people understand how much he cares about people that are hurting. Read this with me. It says, starting in verse, Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, it says, but when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, sounds pretty good so far, right? Then he will sit upon his glorious throne. That's awesome. All the nations, exciting, will be gathered in his presence and, and he will separate. Whoa, did you just say separate? Separate, hold on a second. What is he separating? The people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left hand. Now this is where you come in here in just a second. Then the king will say to those on the right, those sheep, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Basically, come, enjoy heaven, enjoy. So he says, for I was hungry. Can you say hungry? Come on, wait a second. It's 1233. I'm sure there's some hangry people at this point. Come on, can you say hungry? So I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty. Can you say thirsty? And you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. And you invited me into your house. Here's your favorite one. I was naked. Some of you are a little too excited about that whole naked part. Pastor TJ will have to deal with you later. <laughs> you were naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick. Can you say sick? And you cared for me. I was in prison. Can you say prison? And you visited me. Church, this isn't Bible school, deep theological things we're talking about here. These are things that children can do to help someone who's hurting. But listen to what Jesus says. He says, then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see that you were hungry and fed you or thirsty and gave you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When, did you, when were you ever sick or in prison that we needed to visit you? Because surely if Jesus was in this room and any of those things were going on right now, we would rush to try to help him, wouldn't we? But this is what Jesus' response was. And the king will say, I tell you the truth. The friends, listen to me. If you don't get anything else out of this, please listen to this statement because it's so important. For when you did it to one of the least of these, one of the least of these, that's why I have this trash can here with me because there's a lot of people that feel like they've kind of been thrown away by our world. Maybe it's Mintley in South Africa, but so many times <clears throat> kids like Mintley they might have a hunger need, but you know what their deeper need is to be loved, to be cherished, to be cared for. I mean, I love this quote by, by Mother Teresa. It says, being unwanted, unloved, uncared for, forgotten by everybody. I think that is a much greater hunger 
a, great, a much greater poverty than the person who has nothing to eat. And friends, we may not be surrounded by people that are starving and having to trade their body to have something to eat, but I'll guarantee you everybody in this room has someone around you today that is struggling, that maybe they may not be in prison or a stranger, but what Jesus is trying to say is people around us that have needs, the people that get marginalized, the people that get pushed by, maybe there's somebody at work that nobody else wants to spend time with because they're just a drag to everybody. That's who God's calling you to reach out to. You know, I remember in high school, it's the kid that nobody else wanted to talk to. And man, if you talk to them, they're going to be on you like a magnet. Oh, what will that do to my reputation? The least of these. Wait a second. What about that person? Who's God calling me to talk to? The person maybe in, in Collier City or the person down the street from us that, that desperately needs some help. So the Bible is saying, hey, this, this is really important to me as God. And you know what? I'm Actually, one day I'm going to kind of sort people out and say, hey, based on what you did here, now not, again, our belief, right? Our belief starts that thing on the inside. But if I don't see that on the outside, literally that could cause the separation of sheep and goats. And it goes on to not have a lot of great promises for the goats. But I'm here today to share with you this, friends. God is calling you to get engaged, to get involved. If you are a believer then this is not an option of whether or not you want to be involved. It's just how you're going to get involved. And so maybe you're here today and you might say, well, Ben, that's me. I feel like I'm in that spot. I'm hurting. If you only knew all the things that happened to me, I would tell you this, friend. You are in one of the best places you could possibly be because I know Pastor TJ and Shayla very well in the leadership of this church, and they long, they long to be with you and to encourage you and wrap their arms around you and grab you by the hand and help you walk through whatever it is that you're facing right now and to be a family to you because that's the kind of church this is. Can some of you from Coastal say, oh yeah? Come on, some of you have experienced that already. But you know what? I think the, the, the majority of you are people that are saying, hey, there's people around me that are hurting and I need to respond to that this week. I know, I know as we get ready, you know, school's about ready to end this week, I think, right? Right? School holidays start this next week or so. And I know I can almost feel it here. It's like summer, summer. It's coming, it's coming. <clears throat> and we can, we can kind of think it's time for vacation. It's time to forget about some of those things. But you know what? Jesus didn't say, hey, it's time to take a vacation. You know, forget about the least of these during vacation. He's saying, wait a second, wait a second. What if, what if we had an opportunity to take our kids and help them kind of get invested in, in reaching out to the least of these Maybe, and I heard a pastor say this one time that I loved. He said, look, if you take what you'd spend to go to Disney World and just take your kids on a missions trip, it would have a profoundly greater impact on their life and teach them that there's someone else in the world that they have a responsibility to help more than just, well, I want to go on that ride again. Nothing wrong with Disney World. I love Disney World. And church, I'm not here to make you feel guilty for the ways God's blessed you. I do not believe that's God's desire is to make you feel guilty with the ways he's blessed you. But I do believe that God's asking you to be responsible for how he's blessed you and using those resources to reach out to the people that are hurting. It, it doesn't take a whole lot. It can simply be a word of encouragement, a text message, a willingness just to sit down at the lunch table and listen to someone's issues. And, you know, so many times we feel like we have to have all the answers, but so many times just having someone to listen to them can make such a huge difference. So my question to you today is this. Who is God calling you to help? And I know, that I, I want to tell you also, as Children's Cup, 
We have some kids that desperately need your help. But as we kind of finish up our time today, I want to share a story with you. And I could tell you thousands of stories of kids that were considered the least of these from some of the places that I've had the privilege of working in, in Africa and Latin America. But I believe that God wants me to share with you a story, a true story from here in the United States, because I want you to understand that these people are around you everywhere you go. This is a story about a young lady. Her name is Angela. Angela's story, uh, she's, she's in her mid, kind of mid-30s, and for some of you, 30 is kind of old. Some of you, 30s is like, man, you haven't even got started with life yet. But, but Angela, already in her, being in her mid-30s, already has a wake of kind of disaster that has followed her all of the days of her life because she, she struggles with having an extreme response to people that are not nice to her. She gets back and she gets really mean to people. And she's, she's not sure why that comes about, but she's already lost five jobs because when someone was not nice to her, she got really ugly and just got uncomfortable for people to work with to the point where her boss eventually had to let her go because she was such a problem to everyone around her. So much so that the man that made a commitment to her to be her husband and love her for the rest of her life said, you know what, I can't stand living with you any longer. No human being could be married to this I'm out. And so in desperation, Angela says, I got to do something. I'm not sure why I'm like this. I don't want to be like this. So in her desperation, she went to a, a local counselor in her community to try to figure out how can I get better? What can I, what can I do? Because I, I, I got to figure this out. And this counselor listens to her recount all of the, the struggles that she's had of recent and, and wisely says, you know, Angela, let's, let's take a few minutes and let's Let's go back and kind of unpack some of the things that happened like year by year as you were in school because obviously somewhere in your past there's something that's happened that, is, that has hurt you deeply. And so Angela kind of agrees to that and she starts to think back to, to her earliest memories back to like kindergarten. She remembers starting school and she's like, no, that wasn't too bad. You know, started school and nervous about that, but it was okay. And first grade was, was okay, you know, went through that. Maybe had a, a few little tats with different friends or whatnot, but then she thinks second grade. Oh, second grade. That was the year. That was the year that, that my dad left. He didn't even say goodbye. He just walked out and never came back again. And I thought, I thought that I had done something wrong. And I remember just feeling terrible. I, I, I just wanted to die. And I would go to school and I, I, I just didn't want to talk to anybody and Sometimes kids would be mean to me and I would just respond with such a harshness because I was hurting on the inside so much. I just, oh, I was so angry, so angry. Second grade, second grade just wasn't a good year. Third grade, oh man, that was a terrible year, terrible. Third grade, man, because in third grade, there wasn't, the truth is there wasn't a child in Angela's class that didn't have a black eye, uh, a Charlie horse, have their hair pulled, gum stuck in their hair, wasn't insulted by this little girl, Angela, because this intensity of, of, of being mean to people around her and trying to control the situation had just gotten out of control so much so that even her teachers didn't know what to do with her. And this is kind of old school teacher. This teacher got to the place where she was just, I have to do something. She'd sent, sent her back and forth to the principal and nothing, was, nothing would change in Angela's life. So she decided one day, I'm gonna, I gotta do something that will get through to this kid so she can understand she's gotta stop doing this. So she decides, she calls Angela to the front of the room and she, she has Angela come up. 
And she has Angela step into the trash can. And all the kids start to snicker and laugh. They're like, yeah, that's right. You deserve that. That's what you get for being like you. Man, you're terrible. Nobody likes you. And the teacher decides maybe that's not quite enough. And she invites each of the kids to come up and write a word to, to, that they think of when they think of Angela to really get this point across. So literally, one by one, the kids would come up and they would write on the board. Mean. The next kid, the next young, young boy would come up and write the word. Stupid. Little girl comes up and she writes the word ugly. Literally, one by one, this board is filled with words that just crush Angela on the inside. But she refuses to cry because she won't let anyone see her hurt. One by one, the words are written up there. But then the counselor breaks in and says, Angela, wait a second. Wait a second, that's not all the story. What about the last boy that came up? Don't you remember the last kid that came up in the class? He walked to the front. He took the piece of paper and he ripped it off. And he wrote the, wrote, he wrote the word. He said, come on, Angela. Helped you get out of the trash can and walked you back to your desk. And sat down quietly. Angela, don't you remember that young boy? You don't remember the rest of the story. And her mouth drops open and she says, what in the world? How would you know that? How could you possibly know that about that situation? And the guy with a bit of a tear in his eye says, Angela... That young boy was me. That situation so impacted my life. I've spent my life getting education and trying to help people never, ever get thrown away in a trash can again. So my question to you today is this. There's people that just like Angela have had all kinds of words written over their lives. They've been made to feel like they are the throwaways of the world. The scripture is pretty clear to us that God cares about the least of these and he expects us to care about them as a follower of Christ. What are we going to do about that? What are you going to do about the people in your world this week? My prayer is that you won't just hear this and walk out, but you want to do something different. And secondly, I want to ask you for a favor. We still have several kids that we need to get some help, like mentally. That they have literally feel like they've been thrown away by the world. And they desperately need someone like you to say, you know what, I'd be willing, I'd be willing to help you. I don't want any kid to be, be thrown away like that. Yes, there, there's a financial commitment to helping them meet, buy the school uniforms, to buy the, 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 the food and the different practical things for the kids. And you're going to hear about that in a second. But more than that, 
They need someone that will write letters to them and encourage them. Write different things over their life than maybe some of the kids that are around them. Would you be willing to help us do that today? You can change a child's life forever. So we have this video of one of those children that their life has been forever changed because someone like you said, I want to get involved. I don't want anyone to feel like they've been thrown away. Would you prayerfully consider changing a child's life forever? Vuyo is eight years old and lives with his mother and two brothers. His father abandoned them when they were young. Vuyo's mother has a part-time job and the little money she makes is barely enough to take care of Vuyo and the two brothers. Vuyo and his brothers began coming to the care point where they received a hot meal every day. Four years ago, Vuyo began attending a children's cup care point because somebody felt led to sponsor him and make a difference. We are now seeing Vuyo transform from a throwaway kid into a world changer. Your sponsorship starts making an impact by providing the most basic of needs for all children, making sure their physical needs are met, such as critical things like access to clean water and regular nutritious meals. For many of these children, the meal they receive at the care point is the only meal they receive all day. Your sponsorship also ensures that your child has access to basic medical care so that simple things don't create life-threatening diseases or disabilities. Your sponsorship also works to transform the child by meeting emotional and spiritual needs. Through counseling and weekly Bible clubs, the life-changing message of the gospel is translated into engaging activities that help heal the hurts in your child's heart. Your child's heart is then open to understand the plans and purposes of God's unique destiny for their life. You also provide access to basic education and academic support to equip your child for a future of influence in their community. Lastly, as your child becomes a teenager, they will have the opportunity to participate in skills training clubs and activities to prepare them for economic success. This cycle of transformation reaches the next generation as your sponsored child helps mentor younger children and impacts their community with the power of Christ's love. When you make the life-changing decision to become a sponsor, we as Children's Cup partner with you in empowering your child to become the world changer that God created them to be.